0: you beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman i'm zach mccoy and it's your boy trev and we are your oscar grouches welcome to our thursday show thirst where we take Mm -hmm. a look at the oeuvre of a perennial oscar bridesmaid and knower of cinema a one mr martin scorsese and what are we watching this week zach we are
1: watching raging bull the story of jake lamotta's middleweight boxing career and how his lack of control over his emotions Made him a great fighter and a dangerous person.
0: What's mm-hmm. <laughs> this? I like every- that. Yeah, this, uh, that was really good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was this? Everyone's first time seeing this movie. Yes. No, 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 for me as well. Zach, do you remember the first time you watched it?
1: My first time was probably around 2006 or 2007 when I got my Scorsese box set and uh, later upgraded to Blu-ray.
0: Mm, very nice. Uh, I watched this in high school, uh, I think right, almost right after I watched Taxi Driver, because a lot of people returned from Taxi Driver and thought, hey, Uh get that much of a creative team back together, let's see what we got. Uh So,
1: Mm. uh,
0: happily, we have an Oscar breakdown. All right, uh, so Raging Bull loses Best Picture to Ordinary People. As we said last night, that absolutely should not have happened. Oh, y'all agreed on that? <laughs> All of us agreed. It
1: was a uh, really
0: weird consensus episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say it was boring, but it was. <laughs> Definitely the, not going to make for one of our better episodes. The, it reflected the mood of the movie. Yeah.
2: Well, and that's crazy because that's one of Robert Redford's.
0: Uh, it's it's his first film uh, directing. You know, hmm so yeah, it's not good all right uh martin scorsese loses best director to robert redford also should not have happened yeah bullshit uh i honestly think david lynch should have taken it this year i would have been all right with that too um robert de niro wins best actor mm-hmm. uh joe pesci gets nominated for best supporting actor losing out to young timothy hutton and ordinary people uh Kathy Moriarty gets uh nominated for best supporting actress playing Vicky uh losing to Mary Steenburgen in Melvin and Howard. Uh this does not get a screenplay nomination and I find that criminal.
1: Yeah, would this have been ad- adapted from
0: yeah, from probably from his his book because they yeah. use that pretty heavily for inspiration. Yeah. No nomination. Uh, Melvin Howard wins Best Original Screenplay. Uh, let's get on down here. Uh, Best, it it's, loses Best Sound to The Empire Strikes Back. It loses Best Cinematography to Tess. Tess? Tess. i I've never yeah, even heard of that. It's a period drama directed by Roman Polanski. Okay. Oh. I know who that is. And uh, our 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 girl thelma schumacher's back winning best film editing her second film editing Oscar.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> so she was just released from the the bounds of the union or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, union and a, card.
0: Oh yeah. Apparently on appeal from Martin Scorsese, who pretty much said, Hey, uh if I if I'm gonna make this movie, I I need Thelma. <laughs> yeah. So he gets her into the he gets her into the editors union, and we get her back after a decade of not having her. And Crazy, yeah. Her first film back, and she was an <laughs> Academy Award for it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I feel like she could have uh, just went through the procedures that they wanted her to go through, and she would have been back quicker than just I, but waiting around.
0: I, I really think it's a a matter of like, hey, I. I am already professional editor. I have won an Academy Award. What the fuck else? No, do you I just want get it? it.
2: I'm just saying, what if they don't approve his appeal?
0: Yeah.
2: That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, that's um, fair.
2: I, You know, hey, that situation sucks. And it's there's no doubt that it's bullshit.
0: Yeah. It's just
2: <laughs> sometimes you got to make that decision of, well, do I got to deal with extra bullshit? So then raging bullshit. It? Yeah. <laughs> exactly what this movie is. a Bunch of raging bullshit.
0: Hmm. All right. So, let's talk about this movie. Okay. Uh, who wants to go first? Because.
2: I always yeah. go first. That, I, I feel like well, I always go first.
1: Usually, if it's your first time, then I think it's cool to get the first time perspective. If that's.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that. you know, what's it called? I guess I'll be going first. Yeah, right. Uh, every week. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, um. God, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. This movie was a drag. Uh, oh. I, I did not enjoy this movie.
0: Oh,
1: that's a shame. Um,
2: yeah. I cannot believe that this is the movie that people brag about when it comes to Scorsese. Uh, it didn't suck. I'm not saying it sucked, but god, it was like 40 minutes too long. And again, we're doing weird stuff, but under. His second wife was 15, right? When he picked her up.
0: Yeah. But I mean, this is a true, that is, I get it.
2: I get it. (laughs) I'm just saying we're getting into a cycle where Scorsese and um, Paul Schrader like to do a lot of underage girl stuff in their movies. And I'm just saying it's fucking weird.
0: But it's That's never all I'm a,
2: saying. it's never a positive thing. I don't care what it is. It's, it's a fucking always, gross thing and it's, it's in every it's movie. It's supposed to
0: be gross. But it's, it's in, in every movie. It's
2: in two movies. <laughs> okay, dude, two two movies in four weeks. So fifty percent of his movies that we've done in four weeks. It's in fucking <laughs> it's in fifty percent of his movies, dude. I don't know. I feel like it should be a talking point, but you know, I think you need to let your love of Scorsese uh down a little bit and realize that it's kind of weird, bro. It's weird. I'm mm. we'll see what happens as the filmography goes on, but I'm just pointing out two times in four movies, we have some weird, weird I, underage girl stuff.
1: Well, I could say maybe it's weird. Why do you want to pick these guys as the subject of the films? I guess, because,
2: yeah. So that's, that's but, my other thing. This dude is garbage, right? Mm. So the, the nearest garbage level of characters <laughs> just goes, dude, like, um. You know, taxi driver obviously and New York, New York, it's like, yeah, he won't kill anybody, but you want you want a good guy. And then this dude's over here beating women. And mm-hmm.
0: uh you know, he's a dick. And Yeah, he's so so this this movie paints him in such a horrible and negative light that apparently it made Jake LaMotta really take a look at himself and go, Wow, I really am just a giant piece of shit. And then asked Vicky, his ex-wife, was I this bad? To which he responded, "You were much worse." Wow! Dude, but that's <laughs> the
2: thing, though. How old was he when this movie came out? How old was Lamada? Yeah, he had to be fifty, sixty, right? If yeah. he's box, yeah. if he's middle age, boxing, You know, I'm not middle aged but thirties boxing in the forties.
1: He's born in twenty two, so he would have been uh fifty. He would have been okay. just. He would have been fifty eight.
2: It took him till the age of 58 in a Martin Scorsese movie to realize, you know, not losing his wife and children and having his first wife walk out on him or losing his family and his brother. Those weren't the things that worked. It took 58 years in a Martin Scorsese film to realize how garbage
0: of a human being
1: he is. Uh, it's like he lived to be 97. That's crazy. Hopefully the rest of his life
0: he was yeah, on a better track. He He outlived Vicky, too. She died like a decade and a half before him.
2: Does yeah. he have any relationship with his children?
0: I I honestly don't know much about yeah. the actual Jake LaMotta.
2: Yeah, so that's the thing. This movie, I'm more intrigued on this dude than I am like the movie, like the movie was just okay to me. I I Uh, I don't like it. I don't like that. It's in black and white. I guess the decision was because he boxed in the forties and makes sense to do it in black and white, but I don't get the appeal to it. I don't um, feel like it enhanced the film.
0: I do. I I absolutely think it does. Uh, I I think it gives it a, a kind of timelessness and it, and it really sets uh, the kind of the, Black and white framing of Jake Lamada's mind. I mm. think it really works for the story. Yeah, well. um, and apparently it was it was made a lot on decisions of, um, what they were able to use as far as like gear because they couldn't get like uh, era appropriate gear, so they they. You're to talking about black. like boxing
2: gear and stuff. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Apparently, like the bright red gloves were not a big thing in the forties, and that was pointed out to them pretty early, and they were like, mm, "Well, let's go ahead and just shoot it in black and white." And it, uh, and apparently there was also a uh quote in the book where Jake Lamada says that whenever he relives parts of his life, he sees it like a black and white movie. So they're like, "Oh, well." Right, right. We'll take well, that as a you know, license.
2: He also got punched in the head for, you know, 20 years. So, hey, that's fair. I'm trying, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. Try- yeah. You know so, yeah, some of the things I do want to point out positive wise. uh when they fast forward a little bit and, you know, he's older and retired, um, they did a good job with the makeup on De Niro, the whole face thing, making him fat. You know, who <laughs> was wearing these, these, well, these, sweat. He gained weight for this?
0: hmm Like 60 pounds.
2: Dude. That's <laughs> wild. Because he was in really good shape. Yeah. So doesn't that put a halt on production?
0: Um I I think because they most likely shoot it in a sequence where he goes from being in boxer shape to being fat. That's it what I mean. But you
2: still can't gain yeah. 60 pounds in a week.
0: Like right um but like you know there's there's the middle parts where he's not boxing where they constantly remark on his body and how flabby he looks right right or he's like the one scene where he comes in like holding his stomach he's like i'm 168 pounds I'm supposed to be 155 like you get those gradual scenes where if you shoot them in the right order right you can shoot those scenes like shoot all his boxing scenes up from hmm And shoot all those scenes kind of in the middle, and then you got all fat. I'm not knocking the dedication (laughs) to the role. I mean, De
2: Niro's over here driving around in taxi cars. You know what I mean? So I know he dedicated a role. He boxed
0: boxed with Jake LaMotta.
2: Um, But yeah, De Niro obviously did a fantastic job, but uh, Joe Pesci killed it, dude. It's crazy that this is like his technically second movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, man, Joe Pesci's so good, dude. Underrated.
0: Indeed. Zach, you haven't said much. You got anything to add?
1: I've hmm. been marinating a little bit here. Um, <laughs> uh, it, up front, I think this is one of the best made movies that exists. Even if you don't particularly care for the story, it's, it really makes me uncomfortable. It's one of those movies. But just the technical precision of how it's made, the way it looks. The We've seen so many movies parody the slow motion boxing and scenes and that can kind of maybe take away a little bit from it. If you're watching it for the first time, um, it's just, it's a gorgeous movie. And I personally, you, 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 remarked on the main series episode about John Hurt, maybe, you know, deserving the best mm-hmm. actor. And he is amazing too. But I personally think this De Niro performance may be some of the best acting like in the history of movies, especially when you get to the latter parts, like when he's in jail and stuff. And I just, I lose it with him when he's slamming his head on the wall and and that's good. Thing. Crying out and shit. It's just-
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he did a good job, but this isn't even the best De Niro performance we've watched, in my opinion, so far. I think
0: mm-hmm.
2: his performance in Taxi Driver was much, much All right. better. But then again, maybe I just prefer that. This is why. So this is why I wanted to go second because I wanted to hear Zach's thoughts, mm-hmm. and then I wanted to speak on. His opinion on New York, New York, because hmm. Zach didn't like New York, New York, because it was so uncomfortable
1: and mm-hmm.
2: how he treated his woman. But then you got this. I feel like this should have triggered you way more than New York, New York. I, I, I think. think-
0: <laughs> go on, Zach. I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I have kind you, of. A you
2: sure you don't, Paul? <laughs> no, go on.
1: Um. A lot of the, uh, the issue with New York, New York is the consent stuff. Like um, early on, she's really telling him, no, get away from me. Get the fuck away from me. And, and it's just over and over again. He tries to get with her. Vicky makes bad decisions to be with him. And she finally leaves him. That doesn't excuse what he's doing or anything. When but she's
2: he, 15 years old,
1: dude. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> like, right. yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know,
2: he's fucking a 15-year-old girl in this mm-hmm. movie i just wanted to make that clear to anybody yeah, who's no, not
0: nobody should lose sight of that no it's it's right. part of the reason that jake LaMotta is just a horrible human being how uh, so how's
2: this guy in the boxing hall of fame
0: it, people just you know you come I, out i don't i don't i don't want to make light of statutory rape or anything but it's 1941 and people just looked at it differently like it should be looked at exactly the same then as it is now
2: if yeah, the movie didn't come out in 1941 right the movie came out in 1980 and he right. didn't get inducted into the boxing hall of fame until 1990 something so yeah, yeah that that excuse of 19 sure was looked at differently for sure because i mean in the 1800s you had people giving away their 13 year old daughters as soon as they bled you know what i mean mm, that's yeah. history but you know, when these decisions are made here, I don't feel like it's looked at differently. Like, it's fucking gross. People go to prison in 1980, you know, for having sex with underage girls.
0: I mean, and, Jake LaMonica goes to prison for it and, and later on in the film.
2: So, see, I thought he got in trouble for letting her drink underage in the bar. I didn't know he That's had sex with said girl.
0: I guess I just— I know, He
1: had, like, seven seven wives and mistresses. mistresses who knows? Yeah but yeah I, you're you're correct about that is part of the reason why he went to jail for the underage drinking
0: but I mean I, I guess it was just one of those things where I had always just kind of assumed that there was some of that going on especially with how the film starts out and picking up a 15 year old girl <laughs>
2: like, especially when Joe Pesci's car- uh, Joey Joey's his name when Joey's like you're married leave, leave the younger girls to me <laughs>
0: and, and frank vincent oh, characters like putting her in his cringe. car and like no like everybody in this neighborhood is trying to bang this 15 year old girl and i it's, know it is so it's weird like, <laughs> it is awful yeah. um yeah so <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah see i just feel like every week we talk about a scorsese film minus like the documentary stuff and every week we have an uncomfortable conversation over a Scorsese film. And that's all and, I mean and is I, that I every what, film, and we're not talking about uncomfortable because of their actions. We're talking about uncomfortable because of th- Like, dude, we all got kids, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. ugh, it's gross yeah, stuff,
0: man. And, and I think that's what Scorsese wants from you. He wants you to have these uncomfortable conversations because why else that's would you put wants. these, why would you put these things on screen? If you don't mm-hmm. want people having uncomfortable conversations about them. He's showing us th- the dregs and the ills of society for not for no reason. And he's kind of one of the only people around this time going to these depths and these extremes. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean And he, he never glorifies these men that that he enjoys making shitty movie or shitty right. uh <laughs> yeah. When, well, they- when the
2: but they sign, they kind of get glorified when De Niro wins best. Like, you just can't help. I, I understand it's him playing a character, but it also glorifies this dude because the movie is so successful, right? So it's still glorification. And, and Scorsese wants to make a successful film. It isn't like he doesn't want to. So therefore, those actions still get glorified in some manner. Not that people want to be that. But then again, you got guys like Saw Taxi Driver and now wants to kill the president for real. So
0: (laughs) We have a note about that next week.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so there just always seems to be something with these movies is all I'm saying. And as a guy that I know who Scorsese is, and I knew him for a gangster film guy, but that's not really his discography for real. Like That's like a third of his discography. And as I'm watching more... There's just a lot of weird stuff, and I'm interested in when we finally get to his next big film, King of Comedy, and what sort of weird, gross things are going to be in this film.
0: <laughs> That's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie right there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, it's one of these films that I guess I, I've just been with for a long time. Mm-hmm. I I know where he's going with it I know what he's trying to say and it like it's it's never been glorious to me and when you award someone for playing kind of despicable humans you're not saying that the actions of the film are good you're saying that somebody did such a good job showing you that these people are despicable that that they deserve to be uh recognized for what they have done yeah. Right for
1: sure. And I get what Travis is saying though too. There's, you know, there's could be assholes who uh want to uh mock certain behaviors or right or uh you know, Jake Lamotta probably capitalized on this and you know people want to take a picture oh, with yeah, the raging sure. bull and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he
2: made money off this for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, and this- then you know, and again, I'm not trying to harp on it, but you said De Niro spent time with this man, you know, boxing and talking mm-hmm. to him and. I'm, it's just weird to me,
0: but I like, yeah, it's all and we we've brought it up multiple times now that I do not like method acting, I don't like it, I don't like people who use it to be kind of an asshole, which De Niro himself apparently was not above on this set, um but <laughs> um, yeah, him wanting to like inhabit the mind of of jake lamotta is part of that method and i mean as a as a person who's played a lot of really despicable characters in my life um he doesn't need to go through that length but at the same time you as an actor need to justify everything that you do as your character Mm -hmm. and i guess de niro decided the best way to do that was to spend time with the man and kind of pick his brain on why he is the way he is
2: oh absolutely i think anytime an actor portrays somebody you got to spend time with that person
0: yeah and i guess he embodied he embodied him so well that he made the man just doubt everything about himself which thank god somebody did Mm.
1: (laughs) you know um with all the seriousness and the shittiness of the character i've I think I mentioned in the chat a little bit. There's just some mo- some moments in this movie that weirdly make me laugh, like <laughs> when um, when De Niro raid, uh, like uh, marches into Joey's house mm-hmm. while they're in, eating dinner, and he just like <laughs> punches him out of his chair and just starts kicking his ass. Like th- that scene is funny to me, and it, maybe it's not supposed to be, but. <laughs>
2: Oh, no, it's definitely hilarious. He's berating his son for putting his hands on his plate. He tells his son, like, getting his ass
0: (laughs) As he's shoving, like, a sausage in his mouth, he was like, You shove that much sausage in your mouth again, I'm going to stab you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay so clear this up for me because i had the debate in my head she was just saying she was sleeping with all these people right to yeah, get, get a rise out of them okay when he
0: comes at her at first she's like i didn't do anything
2: i can't blame her for being like fuck it i slept with the whole block yeah that's, that's what you want to hear right that's what you want me to say i'm a slut and i slept with the whole block yeah. and that's what i thought she did but you know God, what a fucking asshole that dude is. Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently, just uh, his self pity and paranoia was just over the top. He, yeah, it's what pit, a pitiful
1: weird, sexual jealousy. Sexual,
2: <laughs> sexual jealousy. His cock is bigger than yours, dude. That, yeah, honestly, I was rooting for, you know what I mean? <laughs> when she was going ham on him, I was like, mm-hmm. dude, tell that dude off, man. You know, and. When she finally left them.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, 40 years too late or, you know, whatever the case was.
1: Yeah. Three three kids later. Just <laughs> like, ugh. yeah. Uh, what do you have? Like, how many kids did he have? Seven kids? Oh, wow. See, like did they
2: dive them. into that in the movie? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of just really show the three with her, right?
1: Yeah. It, says, it looks like he was married up to seven times. What the f- his yeah. eldest son died of liver cancer in '98, and his youngest son died in the crash of Swiss Air Flight 111 in '98. Wow! Damn. Whew! Two hundred twenty-nine people died on that airplane crash. Shit.
0: Sombre.
2: Sombre.
0: Like real sombre. Yeah, but um,
2: you know, honestly, for me, I thought it was just a decent movie. I if if Joe Pesci wasn't in this movie, I I would tell you flat out, I would not like this movie.
0: No,
2: um I'd just movie. De Niro and Pesci together really made this movie just
0: thing. Yeah. I they can I could tell
2: you guys right now, I, I would never watch this movie again.
0: I've it's a one time watch again. for your boy. I've okay. watched this movie a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a once every
1: five years kind of movie for me, but I I do rewatch it every now and then. Yeah, I'm glad that I can say that I
2: watched it you know uh but yeah it's definitely just a one-time watch for me nothing makes me want to watch this movie again
0: okay okay all right and that's all your boy gotta say about that brother (laughs) (laughs) all right got anything else to add Zach? um you know
1: uh I just I do really like like the lighting and the use of, uh, shadow and and stuff and it is just crisp and <laughs> that's what draws me in is Crispy. I think I think maybe Trav has talked about this in the past like sometimes Scorsese can get a little technical over uh what's the word heart or something and this movie has heart maybe a a dark heart but it is for me a technical.
0: Yeah, um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead, and I almost forgot to bring this up. So Scorsese almost dies of a of a drug overdose before doing this movie, and uh. Uh, and so Robert De Niro read Jake LaMotta's book while he was doing Godfather Part Two, and he brought it to Scorsese on the set of uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore, and he said, "You got to do a movie about this guy." So this was mostly a uh de niro vanity project
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because de niro just liked playing scumbags yeah. uh, but nobody wanted to sign off on it with just him behind it they were like uh, you know if marty comes on we'll, we'll think of that so uh mardic martin does the first pass on it right and uh i guess it's a completely different script because uh after after scorsese almost dies he brings it to him one more time and uh scorsese who didn't want to do this movie at all uh mm-hmm. says he doesn't care for sports he doesn't care for boxing uh especially and uh essentially agrees to it after getting uh, overdosing because he's like uh i kind of not that i think jake Lamotta's is a good person but i i kind of relate to getting so high and falling so far so fast. And that's kind of my in on this now. And he brings Mm. Paul Schrader into the mix to Mm. clean up Martin's script. And again, apparently like draft after draft is kind of rejected. And then De Niro, Scorsese, Martin, and Paul Schrader lock themselves away and, and hammer it out. And it becomes what it is now. And then, uh, Scorsese thought after, uh, New York, New York bombed that this was going to be the last movie he ever made in Hollywood and wanted it to be as perfect as he could get it. And I argue that he got it there.
2: I do got a question. Yeah. Did y'all see this in full screen or how it was originally
0: shot? I mean, I, when I first saw it, it was in full screen. I watched it on VHS. Okay. the the shitty pan and scan fucking. (laughs)
2: Because I saw, I mean, I watched in a full screen and clearly I know that this was not shot like this. Uh, I wasn't sure. There were some things that I were, that they cut out, you know, to, I don't even know why, who they got together and decided it was a good idea to make films full screen. Anyways, if they weren't shot that way, I fucking hate it. And unfortunately- you come across a lot of them, especially on streaming services like that. And uh yeah, so I don't know, maybe I missed out on some of how beautiful it was shot yeah, because I
0: saw it in full screen. Because the the way those boxing rings look in the the original like sixteen nine mm-hmm. is they they feel like massive canvases. They almost feel like movie screens. Yeah, they
2: don't in the full screen. It's pretty much <laughs> all Niro and a little bit of boxing <laughs> ring while they're in the corner, and that's a, that's all you get.
0: Oh yeah, you you might need to rewatch this in '69 because it is gorgeous. I'm
2: not that interested, in it. I appreciate <laughs> it. <this poem. laughs>
0: also, this movie's yeah. perfect. So,
1: uh. <laughs> um, thank you for all those uh. Details on the back. Um I was reading here talking about uh De Niro lived in Paris for three months eating at the finest restaurants in order to gain sufficient weight.
0: (laughs) What a hard life. What a hard life. (laughs) Also, apparently De Niro became an an actual amateur boxer while training for this movie and entered entered three boxing matches and won two of them. I'm sure he did. I mean the He was in great shape.
1: Shit yeah. looked good too. I mean, the the boxing scenes looked take that
0: damn good. Yeah. Good looking guy. <laughs> yeah. So
2: but yeah, I promise. That's it. I ain't got nothing to say. <laughs>
0: oh. All right. Well, we uh we have uh this is in the National Film Registry. Mm. And uh you guys are going to guess a year for me. Quick note. This cannot go in in 1989, right? because it has to be 10 years eligible, so we're right. finally to the point where films cannot be first class period. okay So that being said, what year did this get in?
2: Uh, I'll go first this time because Zach did last time, and me and Zach always are split like the years mm-hmm. are split between us. so what's it called? I'm going to say 93.
1: That's ridiculous because I actually do have 91 here written down.
2: <laughs> yeah, I told you every week, dude. It's there's a year in between us, man.
0: Huh. Well, uh, neither of you win the prices right because this was a second class okay winning wow. in uh-huh. 1990 because it is that good and uh, <laughs> it is the first film ever to go in in its first year of eligibility.
2: Wow, okay.
0: nothing in the first class was a film from 1979 Mm -hmm. and uh i'm not sure what you're saying
2: is oscar-winning ordinary people did not go in
0: oh oscar-winning ordinary people did not go okay (laughs) (laughs) best picture winner uh uh in fact in 1980 the only Two other films to go in the 90s are The Life and Times of Rosie the Riveter, a documentary in 96, and Return of the Secaucus 7 in 1997.
2: Do they have to let in X amount of documentaries a year? No. When they I do these? No? I
0: don't,
1: I don't think How so. How do some
2: of these documentaries get in, dude? Like, because I don't.
1: Over movie. The probably the, well, uh, the historical real, I mean, the Library of Congress probably, Congress probably uh, favors historical stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean some documentaries just really that good and i mean you get 25 picks a year so i feel like that's a lot of movies
2: to pick from though Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it is let's get on to our worsty judgments Mm -hmm. trap Mm -hmm. where's this sit on your scorsese rankings so um we have eight right Eight films that he has directed. That actually, okay, yep.
2: So, uh, yeah, this is sitting right there at my number four spot. I put it. I did enjoy it more than New York, New York, because even though I thought the pacing of Raging Bull was a little slow, it was nowhere near as slow as New York, New York. And uh, there's just, I love Last Waltz way too much. I mean, there's no way I could put Raging Bull a lo- above that concert, or Mean Streets, or Taxi Driver. So. Yeah, I'll, p- I'll put in number four spot, middle mm-hmm. of
0: the pack. Pants. Zach, where does this sit on your Scorsese rankings?
1: So this is another time where I kind of um, I was careful about what I said during the episode because I didn't want to give away my hand too much. <laughs> um, I think this is the best movie that Scorsese has made up to this point, but I also don't love it as much as Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, I prefer as a movie. And so that remains my number one. And I have Raging Bull at number two. So, yeah.
0: How about you, Paul? Uh, I also have this at my number two. I think this film is incredible. It's beautiful. Uh, Apparently, the uh, editing uh, union that didn't let... Thelma Shoemaker in for ten years decided <laughs> in 2012 that this was the most the most best. There you go. The most words, best most best edited film of all time that's, in 2012.
2: I'm sorry, dude. I can't I, agree with that. And I absolutely agree with that.
0: I, that's
1: that's one of the points where I I agree. I think the the editing is just flawless. I don't think yeah. it's
2: bad by any stretch or anything like that, but. If they would, if you would have said in 1992, they said this was the best. I could say I could concede to that. In 2020, with all the movies that we have and the amazing editings that we have,
0: 2012. No f- oh,
2: 2012. Okay, so that's before that's before Dark Knight. All right. Well, then maybe I can kind of.
0: No, it's four years after Dark Knight.
2: Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Four years <laughs> after. No, I so I still can't stand by that. Fuck that. <laughs>
0: I have to agree. Uh, I, I don't know. I put it at my number one, but I can't argue that it shouldn't be there.
2: Yeah, there's yeah. some serious, and I know y'all are gonna think I'm goofy for saying this, but um, was Fast Five is one of the best. Ed- you can say what you want about the franchise, of course. Fast Five, edit just edited as a film, is insane. It's one of the greatest edited films. Ever in all the things that they did in that that's film, and there's no way things. Raging Bull is better edited than Fast Five. I can concede to somebody saying it's a better movie because it's obviously better written. There's no way that's better edited than Fast Five or D- or Dark Knight. Yeah, no way, no way. I die on that hill. No way.
0: <laughs> I fuck you, Academy. I I will I will place flowers on your grave,
2: sir.
1: <laughs> 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 what
2: what is it you like to say? I disagree.
0: <laughs> uh, I disagree. <laughs> All right, so uh, I think we're going to call it there, uh, and uh, I don't know how to transition to this thing. So Jonathan, well, uh, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Trav, let people know where they can find you on the socials media.
2: There you go. That's all you got to do to transition. Just just say our names. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, of course, you can find me on the Instagram at ZK Audio. You can find me on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-C-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd, and I'm giving my super – Different opposing ratings than Paul does on his letterbox, so feel free to check those out. And uh, you can also listen to podcast I'm on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks every Tuesday, uh, and you can find that on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, and uh, check out the video every Friday. And uh, Mr. McCoy,
1: well, I'm glad you you know we've got you here with your different views because variety is the spice of life, mm-hmm. and um, spice must flow yeah it, it must um <laughs> you know you can find me on Critic zach master x-a-k-k-m-a-s-t-e-r tiktok house havoc or letterbox by searching my name
0: mr workman uh you can follow me across all platforms on social media that is twitter instagram tiktok and letterbox at father of the fear letterbox where i keep a running tally of all of the films that I watch, and this week I watched Lamb, and <laughs> Lamb is wonderful. <laughs> when I have yeah, to the A twenty four
2: the A twenty four online showing is tomorrow, so oh, tomorrow night.
0: I I hope everybody watches it and uh, gets a real kick out of it because that movie is wonderfully weird.
1: Got a few bags of wool actually, right just right <laughs> out of reach here. <laughs> Is it
0: is it three three bags of wool?
1: Actually, yes, it is.
0: Are they full? <laughs> they
1: are. <laughs> Hold on, I, I gotta. Hold on,
2: <laughs> I, I swear, if this man pulls out a black sheep, Baba, <laughs> Baba. <laughs> <laughs> oh God!
1: Um, sorry. To, oops.
0: I love Why how does he visual- have
2: three bags of wool?
0: Who the fuck knows? I, I love how many visual gags we employ on this very very. That nobody awesome can ever that see.
1: That <laughs> they, <laughs> it's not black, but it it, it it is three bags.
2: For a second, it didn't look like a pound of marijuana, in like a Ziploc bag. <laughs> uh,
1: these are from <laughs> from my grandparents' farm. They sent them back for the boys to do school projects. Some, Very nice, some huh. colonial. You don't
2: need to go to Walmart get cotton <laughs> balls. We got <gotcha>. you. <laughs>
1: yes. You can uh, make
2: all the all the Santa beards and art class that you want. There you go. Oh, that's amazing.
0: Uh, all right, uh, Wolfmeister Zach, what, <laughs> what are we watching next week?
1: We are watching Medicine Ball Caravan, which you can't find anywhere, so don't try. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ooh.
0: God, that was good. Okay. All right. We would like to thank Tram from our sister podcast, Loving Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for a beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscaristpod and on Facebook at The Oscarist Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. For Trav and Zach and you, Do you fuck my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you got my you doonberries. Have
1: a- <laughs> what kind of <laughs> what kind of dumb question is that? Who you go- <laughs> How you going to ask my fucking your
0: wife? Uh, uh, hope you have a damn fine day.